Well, Matthew, we had a little break last week from sort of old technology, tube televisions and and VHS tapes, but we're back again with the with well with that stuff. Um it's clearly establishing itself as a superior technology. It is, it is. We've had fizzy TVs and VHS tape, so you know, maybe, maybe that, maybe it's telling us something. Maybe it's time to go back, go back to an older format. Uh, yep. And I think that uh, you need to get the uh, the Facebook page for Creative Psychopaths up on your old style monitor and <laughs> just burn it into the screen. Yes, get it on that CRT. Actually, it reminds me that I found out today that audio cassettes. Uh, this past year, I've had a 45% increase in sales. Uh, I'm not really sure how they know that because surely they're all second-hand ones. But, um... Oh, no, they're bringing out new ones. Oh, are they? Yeah, I don't know why. I don't... But... Yeah, well... Oh, shit, no, it's because it's a period technology. We lost a bit already. Uh, yeah, apparently the younger generation are discovering it. Anyway, we're, um, we're rambling in the intro, which is good. Uh, so, yeah, um... If you're interested in superior technology or old technology, I'm not really sure what I'm talking about now. Give us a five-star review. I don't really know yeah. how that will help, but it will. Um, never go out of style. Yeah, you'll never go out of style. Tell you what else never goes out of style. Facebook groups. Probably. <laughs> I've stolen oh, your line. You're normally the Facebook group, man. Uh, right. I already got in there. I burnt it on the screen. Oh, of course, you did say that. Facebook groups, Instagrams, do everything. This week, it's Videodrome. Um, and you can live the new flesh. Yeah, indeed. Hello everyone and welcome to Creative Psychopaths, a horror movie podcast and the world's premier kitchen for horror sandwiches. What are horror sandwiches I hear you demand or ask or just say politely or maybe you've been here before and you know what they are. Um, I'm going longer than you usually do. Anyway, it's a lovely movie filling surrounded by two slices of wonderful chatty goodness. And as always, uh, my name's Mark and I'm joined by Matthew. Good day. Oh, good day to you, sir. How are you this fine hallow hallow it's not hallow is it Hallow's Eve? Um I anyway. guess it's all Hallow's Eve Eve. Yeah. Or if you in the crow, it's Devil's Night, isn't it? Fire it up. Um anyway, this week we're also joined by guest. Guest in in Tony. Hello, Tony. Hi chaps. Hello, Mark. Hello, Matthew. Thanks Welcome. for having me. Cheers. How are you? How are you this fine day? I'm good. Really good, thank you. Yeah? As I, as I like to ask people, you're kicking ass and not adding unnecessary admin. Um, yeah. Good. That's good. That's what I like to hear. Um, so, yeah, as as revealed there, you know, the, the people uh, now know that we record this in advance. It's not just live every Thursday in their ears. Um, <laughs> So with a day before Halloween, 
And today, today I discovered a trick. Well, I didn't discover a trick. I went on YouTube, you know. But um, let me tell you, my gutting pumpkin days have become much easier. Um, it turns out if you get it, if you've got an electric whisk, if you take the electric whisk thing and put it in your drill and then shove that inside the pumpkin, it just gets, it just strips all the guts and guts and nuts. Um, so yeah, it was a much easier process than usual. Normally I'm in there hauling sinew and death out. Um, so yeah, I mean, when this comes out, it'll be November and no use to anyone until uh, next year, but still, you know, it might well, it's be nice, always nice to, uh, to have the tips though, isn't it? Yeah. 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 You could always post a reminder next year, you know? Yeah. We could get a drill, get a thing. And I, I, I don't know if it worked with anything else. When I was a lad, we used to uh, have to carve out a Swede. Well, we always called it a turnip, but it's technically a Swede. But God, now I think about it, God knows how we managed to hollow out a Swede. Um, <laughs> oh, we did it back in the 80s, back when we were made a summer or other. I want to say tougher stuff, but I don't think we were really. Um there was a lot more. There was a lot more doctor who were around when I was a lad. Um, yeah, weird. Um, don't worry, we're getting somewhere along along it. So, what I've discovered tonight, Matthew brought it to my attention, and um, me and Tony already knew about it. Though, is that um, we've had a prediction come true on the podcast in that it follows is going to get a sequel. Um. What was it called? Yes, it's, it's they follow. They follow. Yeah. What do we think of that? Are we are we are we happy for a sequel to that? I think so. I was a bit like not bothered if it follows never has a sequel because I really yeah. like it follows. It's been what I mean. Someone said ten years. I can't quite believe that. Um, but yeah, maybe they've got a good reason to do a sequel to it. So. Uh, I'll be watching, for sure. Yeah, it doesn't feel like one of those sort of franchise movies where they think mm. where they're like, oh well, this will make some money. It just hopefully they've got an idea that will work. So yes, I think Peter from Movie Jewel mentioned that. Um, so yeah, lovely. Right, well, let's... I think it's I think it's one of them that I'm 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 open minded. Uh, while at the same time thinking it could be quite good and just god awful at the same time, it's. <laughs> I guess that's the definition of being open minded, isn't it? But yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, you're willing to give it a go. I'm willing to try. I'll try anything once, not anything. Um, but movie wise, I will. Um, right. Well, let's get into this first delicious slice of bread. And since we've got a guest, it's question time. Um, so Tony, as far as I know, is, is well prepared and happy to for us to grill him. Um, but not on an actual grill. <laughs> no, the sandwiches are purely metaphorical. No, it's a piece, of course, a purely metaphorical, non-grilled sandwich. So, yeah, Tony... Um, well, let's start at the start then. So, um, 
well, let's combine the questions in. When did you become a horror fan? And what was the first horror movie you remember seeing? Right, okay. Um, I mean, it goes back quite quite a long, long way. Oh. Um, I've got my spreadsheet here with all my details on. I do like a spreadsheet. I do like to uh, work out how things fit into a like a horror timeline almost. Um, I kind of worked out a few months ago that uh, my horror sort of story probably starts with Doctor Who. Um, I can't think of anything before Doctor Who. So it would have been something like uh, The Ark in Space or Genesis of the Daleks, Tom Baker. Mm. Um, so that era of Doctor Who. Um, and it probably all sort of stems from there, really. It's the kind of thing where your mum used to say to you, if it's going to give you nightmares, you're not going to watch this again. And you're like, no, mum, I want to watch this again. So it's not going to give me nightmares. And you'd watch it and it'd give you nightmares, but you still keep watching it. So, um, yeah, I think uh, sort of horror stuff starts with Doctor Who, sort of back in the sort of mid-70s. Um, as for horrors, actual horror films, uh, the first one I would have seen was Scanners uh, on a Betamax. It was the first uh, film we actually hired out from the cinema uh, from the video shop not the cinema the video shop and um i was probably about 11 or 12 probably 12 and um yeah was it the first five minutes you got an exploding head mm, yeah that was it i'm in i was in and um kind of goes from there really uh i can't think of many better ways to get someone invested <laughs> in horror than an exploding head Exploding head, yeah. And obviously it was uh, like higher the video nasty kind of stuff. So there's a lot of video nasties uh, floating around in my background because of that. Yeah. I remember I had an annual, a Doctor Who annual, and there was a lot of pictures in it that I didn't like that scared the crap mm. out of me. Especially, I think Davros used to scare the crap out of me as well. But um, he also reminded me of... Um, there was a TV show called Terror Hawks um, that had a character called Zelda, and she was scary too. <laughs> yeah. And she's just scared the shite out of me as well. Um, mind you, I was never a fan of pu puppets at all. I didn't like Bob either. Um, but yeah, uh, Scanners, though. Um, it's a good job that Scanners gets you invested early with that head pop because it's a hard film to watch, and it's, it's, a, it's... Bit of a, it's a bit of a drag. It's not one of his best, no. I would say. Like, I mean, it really is the beginning and the end. Yeah. With a lot yeah. of exposition in the middle. Um, yeah. But, you know, you're 12. You're just, you're just in it for the gore. You're in it for the gore. And with, with gore, what is the best kill? That was a good transition, ah, though, wasn't it? That's a transition. Yeah. Well, so I've been asked this before, and I... I think I've already gone through the whole thing about uh, the eye poke in zombie flesh eaters. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, which which is a real standout um, for me. But um, I'm going to go with something different. Um, so something that kind of more recently, in the last maybe five or six years, maybe um, a sort of not been pleasant and and something that's that uh, I find quite hard to watch. And that's uh, The Silent Circle in Saw 7. Um, 
which is the one where they have to get a key out of a lady's stomach uh, via a fish hook that's through her like esophagus and intestine. He's got to pull the fish hook out of her her insides, basically, to unlock her from this what, neck brace with uh, great big spikes in. I don't know if you've seen Saw 7. It's, it's, it's pretty stupid and it's, it's extremely gory. Yeah, I can't believe anyone ever suggested that they're moved into the realms of torture porn. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, that description is... That is something. That is savage. Yeah, it's pretty grim. It's it's. I mean, I'm quite wimpy these days, and I I kind of like do squirm a lot when I watch some of this stuff now. Um, but that that one, I've, but there's quite a lot in in uh, Saw Seven that is quite unpleasant. But that is just, yeah, awful. I don't like it. But it's a good it, it's a good trap. Yeah, I mean that—that's all Saul's good for, though, isn't it? Really, the traps. Um, you know, that's what people watch them for. I think, I think there's from now on they should just bring out a trap on YouTube every so often instead of bothering to make a movie. I think that's all people are invested in. In that, um, I think that's quite an interesting, uh, like thought experiment. Oh, is it? Would that work? <laughs> Would people watch it? I think I think they would. I think, um, especially if it had jigsaw attached to it, uh, I think people would watch that because really that is what they're there for. Um, nobody's there for the scintillating storyline, or at least I'm not. Um, although I'm not really a fan of that franchise anyway. And um, you know, that said. It has its moments, Mark, I think. like I mean, I do, I kind of like Saw, um, but it is really sort of, like, half of them are quite good and half of them are dreadful. Um, I mean, they showed uh, a a uh, clip of, of Saw 10 at, at Fright Fest this year. Yeah. And it was just, it was just a clip of the eye suck uh, scene, the one at the start. Oh, yeah, yeah. And everyone went absolutely nuts. So I think you got something there. You just yeah. you just release a trap on you know a five minute trap on you know YouTube, and we'd all be quite happy. Yeah, that's all that that's all that franchise needs. <laughs> they'd make they'd make their money off off YouTube. So yeah, go on yeah, with it. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of uh, uh, interested to think though, because I I, did, I have dropped off quite a lot of the Saw films. Is there any sort of relevance to, like the, the the characters that are being killed in them now? Yeah, because uh, yeah, I'm they such, still, yeah. yeah, there is still always a kind of a thread in them all. They they do get more nebulous as they go on. Like, um, is that guy abandoning his family to go fishing or something? So that's where the irony comes from. <laughs> I don't think it's got quite as bad as that. <laughs> You went fishing when you could have been not fishing. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, did, did it kill Bob Mortimer or Paul Whitehouse? No, I don't. Hopefully not. I hope not. It's a good show, that, isn't it? It's really good. I was just watching it before we did this, to be honest. Yeah, that's a good show. Um, but yeah, so Saw's a bit of a franchise. 
Um, with that said, what's your favourite franchise, Arjun? I deny. On fire. That's a that's a good. Uh... I should be on fire. Um, right. Well, I've been thinking about this because obviously I have heard like your episodes, and I think it does get mentioned a lot. But yeah, I kept coming back to it because it is my favourite franchise, and that's Scream. Um, all right. Yeah, for yeah. Probably all the reasons that everyone else says it really. Um, but yeah, it's a, like Scream was the kind of film that got me back into horror movies in a in a big way. Um, I love the first two, um, and I think they've been pretty consistent throughout. You know, I'm not so not I'm not so big on three. Um, kind of reappraised four. Um, and I've enjoyed the new ones as well. Um, and I mean, for me, even the kind of Scooby-Doo element isn't really a, a thing. It's a bit like, oh, well, they're going to reveal someone at the end. You sort of know that's, that's what's going to happen. It's, yeah, I right. think now it's, it's kind of more interesting seeing what kind of different things they can do each time. I know it, they're obviously getting a bit, they're sort of running out of ideas a little bit maybe, but I mean, I thought the start of six was really good uh, where you apparently see Ghostface kind of unmasked and it's obviously not um and I thought uh Scream 5 was good which was I mean Scream 5 was basically the Force Awakens right <laughs> Essentially, I, mean, I think yeah. the, I think they even said that didn't they at one point I think he did actually mm-hmm. yeah uh yeah I am I say like you say that it comes up a lot and for all the reasons you've said it it is such a fantastic franchise. Mm. Uh, I think they they could probably do with with stopping for a few years again. Yeah, uh, just to to let horror move forward to see what they can do with it. Right. You know because you know when when you release when you release them so quickly together, you do kind of. Uh, and once you've got past the initial sequel, you know. Uh, you, you 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 lose what you could be meta about, don't you? Because you you've done it all, you know. But Scream One, Scream Two worked, and then yeah. I think you know they were they were running out of ideas a little bit for Scream Three, uh, although it does have some really good stuff in it still. Uh, and then you know Scream Four did rejuvenate it a bit, and then Scream Five came on when I thought that was another really solid one. But the last one didn't really have all that much to to go off, did it? So it's all right. It's all right. Yeah. There was quite a lot of people um, who seemed to be able to survive quite ferocious stabbings, which seemed a bit ridiculous. All oh, these people that you thought were dead just kept coming back, and you're yeah. like, "How did you survive that?" Um, I don't know what they're going to do with seven. I I honestly can't. Can't sleep, but they can't keep doing the same thing, surely. Um, and I'm one of these people who really, who really, really wants them to go back to what they were going to do with three, and obviously didn't do, which is the whole kind of cult of Ghostface, which they sort of hinted at in in six. Right. Um, so obviously three was going to be a different story completely, and then obviously I think it was Columbine happened, didn't it? And they had to change it. So. Um, yeah, I'm hoping they kind of go a different route with Seven, but who knows? And obviously, I hope Nev Campbell's back, but I've not heard anything. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they do with it. Um, 
you know, and then like Matthew said, cut it out for a bit and let Aura move on, you know. So, mm. yeah, we'll see how that sequel goes. But, um, you know, with that said, what movies do need sequels? Um, and if, or which ones need to stop, or both? And obviously, oh. you're not allowed to say follows anymore. Yeah. Well, that's all right. That's not on my list. Um, <laughs> right. I've, so I was really was like thinking of sequels and was really struggling. And I did come up with a couple, but I thought they'd make better prequels rather than sequels. Um, I'm intrigued. So I would love a prequel to the uh, remake of Hills Have Eyes. Um, I love the remake of Hills Have Eyes. I actually really enjoyed the second one. I've seen that. I saw that more recently again, and I was surprised it was a lot better than I remember. But I want to see where it all starts. I want to see how it all happens. I know it's kind of taken the mystery away a little bit, but I really, you know, I love the original Hills Have Eyes, and I love the remake. And I just, uh, I just think it'd be quite a good, uh, you know, a good one to go uh, to go back to in the sort of fifties. And and how it all kind of started. Yeah, that could be um, interesting. But the other one I thought that would be quite good, um, especially if it was a prequel, because you because you wouldn't need to worry about the sort of twist. You could just go straight in. Would be a prequel to your next. So, obviously, the whole your thing first. in your next is is that yeah, your first. Uh, the whole thing is Erin is obviously some kind of survivalist or or prepper or whatever she was. Um, what if there was a prequel to your next where she's getting up all, to all sorts of shenanigans, but obviously you know that that's what she does. So I don't know. That was that was what I thought of anyway. And I'd watch both those. Yeah. I'd watch both of those too. Yeah, I don't know if I'd watch The Hills of Eyes because I've come out before to say I don't really like that. Um, right, fair enough. Um, yeah. I, the West Craven one's too silly for me. Um, <laughs> what, what, the first one? Yeah, it's far too silly. Um, yeah, so I'm not a big fan of that one. Although West Craven's a bit silly anyway, I think. Uh, there's there's bits of... Um, uh, Scream? Uh, no, Last House on Nightmare the Left. on Elm Street. No, oh, Last God. House on the Left that are a bit silly. Um, I mean, it's interspersed with awful, but you know, there's also some very silly bits in it. So, um, very inappropriate comedy. Yeah, yeah, and 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 uh, the Hills of Eyes has that as well, I think. Um, mm. so yeah. Um, is there any word you don't want to see sequels for? Oh my god! I mean, so I mean, I wasn't going to go like no more Halloweens, please. However. I went to see Exorcist Believer, what, two weeks ago? Yeah. And just stop. Stop it. Like, I mean, to be honest, okay, so no more Halloweens. It's, it's the same guy, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. Who did the extra Halloweens doing yeah. the new the new Exorcist. But, oh, my God, stop. Stop with the Exorcists. I hate to tell you that that's not going to happen. Uh, no, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Because at, at, at this point... I think it was a pretty cheap make, um, so it's already made. Right, back, it's already made back about three times its budget. 
Um, so, and it was planned as a trilogy. So. Yeah. Why does he keep doing this? Why does he have to? Why can't That's two franchises now that he's just come in for and gone, let's make a trilogy. Yeah, I've, well, fine. I, um, I mean, it just made me angry. Like, re- I'm really angry watching it. It just, it, it's just so sort of, uh, what's the word? It, it's, um, I can't, can't think of the words. Uh, you know, obviously, I've saw The Exorcist fairly recently at uh, at Fright Fest again, um, mm-hmm. and it is like it's untouchable as far as I'm concerned. And it's just like I'm gonna swear. Can I swear? Yes, you can. It, it's sort of it's sort of shitting all over it, really. Um, I mean, I really hope Ellen Burstyn got a lot of money for doing that that sequel because he just he's just treated like the whole Chris McNeil thing. Like just really badly. Yeah, no. Um, yeah. Did you go to that one yet, Matthew, or did you? Leave no. It uh, the, based the, on the weight of vitriol uh, <laughs> has, has made me reconsider my uh, position of I'll probably give that a watch, even though it's quite bad. Yeah. No. Um, I, I'm I'm actually with you on that one. Um, it's a shame, but yeah, I think. Uh, I think they're almost definitely going to uh, be making continue. Yeah. Um, I'm sure. In fact, I'm sure. Has the there next been a good called... Exorcist film that's not the first one? Apparently, the third, the third one. one. Third one's amazing. Yeah, because I've I've never watched any of them other than the uh, the first. Mainly for that reason that the reputation is just so bad. No, the third one's excellent. It's um, there are two versions of it, um, and one of the versions has got a very obviously tacked on sort of exorcism at the end, like to put it into the, you know, oh, we need to be an exorcism at the end, so they just stick it in. But the there's like a director's cut of that which hasn't got that in it, um, right. but they're both really good. But it's 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 different to the original, you know, it's a different kind of story, um, but it's bloody great. Like great acting, great characters, scary, bit mad. It's quite funny as well at the beginning. So maybe that's the one I'll watch instead. Yeah, well, we'll watch it on here. Yeah, we'll watch it on here, I reckon. Yeah, I've only just found out recently that, that the third one's a good film. I assumed they were all shit. I knew that the third one had a really scary moment in it. Mm. Um, Although I've seen it so many times now, I don't, I don't think it ever bother me. But um, yeah, well, before we get into this week's uh, silling, I'm going to ask you one more question before we do the thing, which is we're about to watch a movie with some good effects. So, what are standout effects? Oh, well, I mean, this is the thing. So, um, the thing about sort of special effects and what I like about them. It's it, it's it's this guy. It's basically Rick Baker, who, you know, obviously did American Wealth in London. Mm-hmm. Um but he's also the guy that did video drone. So massive fan of those kind of practical sort of eighties gore effects that he did. Uh he was an assistant to Dick Smith who did the Exorcist and obviously Dick Smith's obviously was pretty good at all that stuff. Um but I mean, there's like a thread here. Like, I mean, you know, I love the thing. 
Obviously, Rob Bottin, who did the thing, was an assistant to Rick Baker, did the howling as well. Another practical effects guy. Um, so yeah, those are the those are the sort of films for the special effects I really like. So things like American Werewolf, The Thing, um, The Howling, and obviously Videodrome. Well, American Werewolf, as I'm sure you know by now, is the correct answer. In fact, so is The Thing. Yeah, you've given. Mm. Yeah, we we have two correct answers. You've given. Yeah, I mean, both. they're all kind of related, you see, because obviously Rob Bottin was uh, was Rick Baker's helper. So they're all kind of from the same school of of that yeah. that practical stuff. I mean, interestingly, I was watching a bit of a documentary on the special effects of this movie, and and this particular movie actually spawned quite a lot of uh, young talent, um, you know, that came from Rick Baker. Really, you know, mm. it was a lot of sort of kids and not kids, but you know, young people in the twenties just starting to get into it and. Uh, yeah, this it's um it's a good movie for in terms of that, and uh, you know I'm actually surprised it hasn't come up um before. Um, anyway, I just I did want a special shout out though on on special effects because oh, um I am a big Dan Martin fan, so Dan Martin who did he's done a lot of like uh Ben Wheatley stuff, so like Kill List and In the Earth. Um, but he also works with Brandon Cronenberg. Oh, here we go again, right? It's some other link. So he works with uh, David Cronenberg's son. So he's done Infinity Pool and Possessor. Yeah, I was going to um, say he did Possessor, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and obviously he's another one of these like practical effects guys, like kind of doing it now. Um, and I just think he's a really, really clever man. He does some really, really cool shit, really horrible shit. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. <laughs> he uh he definitely knows what he's uh, what he's doing like. Um right, well let's save the last few questions till uh till we've we've done your delicious filling. Cool. So let's dig into it. Um so we are uh talking Videodrome 1983 directed of course by David Cronenberg. Um, you might be wondering why I got all weird there, but for some reason I've written down David Cameron. Uh, that is weird, isn't it? Uh, yeah, David Cronenberg. Um, definitely not to be confused with David Cameron. Um, it would be much scarier if it was Cameron. Yeah, it would. Yeah. Uh, starring James Woods as Max Wren, Debbie Harry as Nikki Brand, uh, Sonia Smirt as Bianca Oblivion, uh, Peter Vorsky as Harlan, Leslie Carlson as Barry Convex. There are other people in this film, um, but it has to be said that, you know, James Woods pretty much is the main part of this movie, isn't he? He carries it all the way through. Yeah, it's just him passing through, bumping into people along the way, isn't it? It is, yeah. And I was going to mention Rick Baker, but we already sort of did that in the in the first slice. Um, so I suppose the question is, why did you bring this one to us then, Tony? Um, it's in my kind of top five all-time favourite horrors. Um, right. I'm a massive David Cronenberg fan, and I think uh, it's uh, like my favourite of his. 
Um, I think it, if, if you sort of look at what he did before and what he did after, it's it's almost like Pete Cronenberg. It's like the crony, Cronenbergiest of Cronenbergs almost. It's like he sort of was doing the sort of exploitation-y stuff before with like Slivers and Rabbit and uh, Scanners, but always kind of had this kind of, you know, he's sort of weird scientific, weird intelligence thing sort of flowing through those. But um, with uh, sort of Videodrome, it's sort of, I think he's got the mix just right. It's a really, like, it's a fast-moving film. It's entertaining, but it's got all this kind of really quite complicated stuff going on in, in in the background i think after this apart from the fly he sort of starts to go more down the the kind of scientific scientific kind of intellectual route and a bit less of the exploitation kind of entertainment stuff you know i mean i love mm. crash but obviously crash isn't a fun it's not a fun movie um the fly is probably a bit of an like, a, like an anomaly because it's hollywood you know, um, it's it's probably that's probably his best film, I'd imagine. Generally, um, I mean, it is an amazing film, but it's you know it's got a lot of things that Cronenberg doesn't do. It's it's it, it's quite emotional for a start, which is something again that Cronenberg doesn't do. His stuff's very kind of uh, dry and very kind of like emotionless, I guess. Um, yeah, and it's just it's a film that I mean. I've, been watching it for a long time you know it's one of the early ones i watched when i was a kid and it sort of stuck with me really well that's good a, a great answer to the question you know could have just said because you like it but no <laughs> i do like it obviously <laughs> <laughs> no no i'm just uh, this was so this is my first watch this is the first time i've seen it um i you know being a horror fan, I was well aware of some of the parts of it, but have never actually sat down and watched the movie in full. Um, so yeah, um, and yeah, like you say, it's very Cronenbergy. Um, and as I said be before, I was surprised it hasn't come up on the um, the effects because there's a lot of um, I'd say some of the more subtle effects in this that actually look really, really great. Um, mm. so, you know, and as I say, watching the documentary that I watched, you know, the, 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 the amazing things that these people, that these effects people can do to, you know, make it seem like something's doing something or so. Yeah. It's impressive stuff. Um, I presume you've seen it before, Matthew. I had seen it before. Yeah. Right. So, um, I find that this is a film that you very much have to be in the mood for. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, I could literally watch this again. <laughs> like, I, wish no, I, I think could watch it again. Uh, like, it's a proper, proper film I could just watch over and over. Yeah, I, I just think that the, the the themes in it are are pretty heavy, and. Mm. The the way that it it's it's paced is it's very deliberate, I think, in that it moves in the these it's quite frantic, uh, mm. the way that it sort of moves from from one place to another. 
uh, you know, just to keep the plot going along. But just with these small, not small moments, but where these moments where they just linger on just something gross. <laughs> I think it's, mm. uh, it, it's not switch your switch your head off and, and enjoy your your Saturday night TV uh, kind of film. And yeah, I, I think you've. I, but I don't know. Maybe it's just a headspace that you're able to tap into easier than I can. But I think it's yeah, maybe for me, you've kind of got to be in the right place for it. I don't know if it's, if it's because I've seen it so often, um, but I can actually kind of watch it with my brain turned off because I, I, but probably because I know what's happening and because I know mm. what's coming, so I can just enjoy it for just James Wood, you know, running around doing the things he's doing. Um, rather than actually thinking about it, which obviously I, I did on this watch through, I'd sort of sat down and took it all in properly. Frustrating, isn't it? When you go review something, and oh, no. suddenly <laughs> have to start paying attention to it. Um, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, Mark, I mean, this is more for, for, for me and you and, and the, the regular cohort of diehard listeners. It does feel like it's quite uh I don't know, it's a natural conclusion or it's just a companion piece to a lot of the films that we've been speaking about recently. Yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah. You know, I think it shares a lot of not necessarily DNA, but you know, it shares a lot with films like Sensor and Poltergeist Definitely. that we've been covering. Yeah, because yeah. obviously I've, uh, so I listened to Sensor, your episode last week, and obviously Matthew, you said the whole thing about Sensor kind of being similar to this and it, it, it I, I guess it's that whole kind of who senses that who senses the sensor kind of thing that's going on in obviously sensor it's it's what happens if a sensor's watching all this horrible shit they're not letting us watch um and this is obviously you know videodrome is basically what's happening to someone who's um being exposed to gratuitous sex and violence Day in, day out. Yeah, I mean, they tap into those fears of social ills, don't they? Uh, yeah. You know, I, I guess that, that Videodrome, what it's doing, at, you know, by taking aim at, at television, is is sort of what, you know, people are saying now about kids being on the phones too much, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely, I think it, It's yeah. very deliberate at the beginning of the film. You know when the the station is oh it, it's the the station that you take to bed with you, and it, yeah, it's the same thing that they did in Poltergeist as well. You know, with leaving the TV on, where it feels like a lot of people around the time were just saying, maybe we're going too far with this, and we've got maybe you shouldn't have a TV in your bedroom, and, and maybe you should unplug a little bit now and again. Yeah, and yeah. The the central sort of conceit of this film just being, you know, what if all those people espousing danger are actually right? Mm. And to do that and then end up with <laughs> with this film just seems <laughs> I mean, you know, th- this this film made by a different filmmaker would be completely different, as obvious as I is to say. Because 
these concepts and being turned into just a Cronenberg body horror. I mean, he's great, but it, it does still feel. I mean, it's a film that could only be made by by one man, couldn't it? Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, it's it, it's really interesting the television thing because I think um, it's been since the television made it into ha- homes, it's been um, you know cast as a bad guy really i mean even just going as far as parents telling you not to sit too closely your eyes will go square and you know when i was when i was a kid even though screens weren't big tvs were still big and they were like sort of looming presence in the room and and even even now they're big and they're often the central part of the room aren't they it's very um they're very much the centerpiece of a of a home or they can be if people are into television i suppose um so yeah it's really uh it's really interesting that um screen screen time it's sort of, sort of really always been that way i mean it's more readily available now um but there's always been that sort of looming presence of of doom crikey um, yeah i think we went through a, a brief spell before mobile phones came along uh, uh well mobile phones in the you know the current smartphone guys where we were purely about the content of TV rather than the actual watching of it. Yeah. That was a, a, a nice little moment where everyone kind of was like, yeah, TV's fine, but don't watch reality TV. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so, what do we want to dig into? Um... It's quite. It's there's a lot of sex going on in this movie, um, but none of it's sexy, which is for which is weird. Uh, I mean, it's not Debbie Harry, and how can he not be? <laughs> yeah, I understand. I understand where you're coming from, but <laughs> most beautiful um, woman that's ever lived, right there. She is a very pretty lady. They do. They do manage to make. It quite unsexy, I would say. Quite, it's quite sterile and quite cold, which yeah. is his thing, isn't it? Um... The only thing I thought about is, and and it, this is probably just looking at it with a more modern eye, is that when they're doing their sort of sex scene, um, and there's a touch of violence there, it's it it feels very tame, um, you know, like. In comparison to sort of some of the things that I've um, seen, yeah, I mean, more, that, more that... recently, but it it don't have any, it don't it don't make me wince, you know. Like um, there are bits in this film that make you sort of that are sort of that are definitely body horror, and in this where it sort of tries to show pain as being pleasure, that the pain in it is just like. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's not Hellraiser, I mean, is it? Obviously, um, no, exactly. Um, but then Hellraiser's to the extreme. This, this, yeah. this is supposed. <laughs> this is supposed to sort of display. I would, I would say, two people who find you know S and M something sexy, which is fine. It, it, you know, don't yuck anyone's yum. That's what they say, isn't it? Um, I mean, I'm, a, I, I mean, I'm assuming Max 
like kind of wasn't into it before he met Nikki. So hence why it it might be <clears throat> sort of mild, I guess. I mean, you know, I guess we're talking about the ear piercing basically, which is kind of what they are they getting up to, isn't it? Yeah. Um, he's he's basically piercing her ears um with, with some needle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh it's um yeah, there's a lot of sex in there, but they, they uh, it doesn't manage to be sexy, which is fun. Um, let's well, see. Do, do what you were saying there about it being tame. Though, do you not think that that is entirely the point of this film? Uh, you know, where it's saying that, you know, we... we I mean, Debbie Harry literally says it, doesn't she, in the, in the talk show, is that we, we get these tastes of things and we demand more and more and take it to levels and levels and, and that what you've just said is pretty much exactly what's happened isn't it yeah you may, yeah you might be right i might have been I find it staggering to think that uh you know a woman putting a cigarette out on herself should be considered tame i think that, <laughs> that should be wince inducing shouldn't it? yeah i think it is wince inducing to be fair yeah i you know as i say it could be just um just partly down to what i've seen since or you know no no it's you know, it's, it's natural but i think that that's exactly like, like you say it's just, that's exactly what the film's saying yeah, yeah, yeah. no you're right it's yeah very prescient in that regard i've been desensitized um yeah um the other thing that i think is quite interesting about this movie is our main character, um, Max, is um, it's not a very you know he's not a very redeeming character, is he? There's not there's not much about him to like. Um, no, definitely not. <laughs> you know, you follow his story, and I would say you sort of you're generally with him all the way through. But um, he's also not a likable character at all. Um, really, yeah, not. It's it, it it's a weird one that to have the, have the lead be someone who's um, not all that. I guess sympathetic's not the word, but um, well, you know what I'm getting at. Yeah, I mean, so much of it of what's going on kind of feels like his own doing, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think it it helps that he's thrown into this this world where. Everyone else is worse, <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> not not everyone else, you know, but uh, for for the most part, he's he he's a bad person who's fallen victim to worse people. Yeah, yeah. It's a tricky movie, anyway, because um, there's part there's parts of it that that I think lead you to believe that. You're not necessarily seeing even events unfold as they as they are unfolding, because um, you know mm. he's put in this room and he said, "Look, you're gonna you're gonna be hallucinating or what have you." And then that's the sort of you know it just leads it just leads from there. But we never really to from my mind we never really discover that he actually gets out of that situation so i don't know whether everything we see is just part of that 
driven hallucination so um yeah well yeah so you're basically i mean i've i've thought this as well so so basically when he goes in to get his hallucination sort of recorded uh you don't really see him leave that situation so therefore the rest of the film is is him in his hallucination um the only thing i would say about that is that every so often because obviously most of the time you're kind of in his point of view almost yeah which is why you get all the weird shit happening but every so often there'll be shots where it's not hallucination so for sake of argument um trying to think when it happens it might be when he gets the uh, flesh gun so there's the bit where he sits on the stairs and the gun turns into the flesh gun thing with all the wires going through his hand there's a section after that oh actually i think it's after he he murders barry convex there's a section after that where he hasn't got the flesh gun he's just holding a gun so that's to me that's not hallucination that's like real life so my kind of thoughts is he's he's probably doing this stuff, but <clears throat> not in the way he's seeing it. So he is, a, I mean, he is assassinating all these people. Mm. We we're just seeing it from his point of view, yeah. which is obviously this very extreme, freaky hallucination version. I think it, it's definitely one of those movies where, because you know, I don't want to do this all night, but you know, I could argue points against. <laughs> Against what you just just said to say that he's still in hallucination, but I think yeah, I, think I mean this is this is it. A good bit of this film is that um, you know it takes you down a lot of routes, and there's a lot it it's got to say, um, and it can be interpreted in a in a in a in quite a, quite a lot of different ways. Like you know, the modern the modern way of doing horror now is to sort of show it based around sort of mental ills really and you know this has got mm. this is very um or at least it feels very much like what certain levels of schizophrenia are where you know you're driven by visions of what you perceive to be reality you know so it it, it feels even modern in that way that it's got that going for it but um yeah. It kind of even in that regard feels like a throwback as well, doesn't it? You know, you thinking that the state are experimenting on civilians and stuff, you know, it even uh, harks back to like MK Ultra and things like that. Wow, yeah. So it's it's a film that very much looks forward and backwards, and it, it's. I think it's a film that's probably never really likely to age because of that. Mm. Yeah. To, to I've degree, had, I've had know, quite certainly. a few people, uh, uh, Matthew, like over the years talk about this and every time you sort of bring it up, it, it sort of gets a comment about it being quite sort of relevant and, and people are still still saying that about it. Um, so who knows? Maybe it will continue to just be like that. Yeah. But yeah, you're definitely right. Well, I think it's going back to that, uh, you know, that central idea of your know, what if the the fear mongers are right sort of thing, and yeah, and that there are always going to be fear mongers, aren't there? Mm. You know, people are always going to be concerned. People are always going to be worried about things that we don't fully understand yet. You know, we've been saying that 
you know, the concern is people on the phones now. A, a couple of years, it's, it's probably going to be AI, and, and this film's going to become relevant again because it's going to be how do we differentiate truth from, uh, you know, from from very uh, intellectual forgeries or, or you know, artificial creations. It's it's going to loop round, and it'll loop round to the next thing after that too. Because it's it's not about the technology; it's about the human reaction to the technology. Because if it was about the technology, it, it just there'd be no relation to. It. We just wouldn't we wouldn't care. Yeah, it'd just be a film about you know videotapes. Yeah, basically, yeah, right, which yeah. you know. Um, I think I've, I mean, so you're mentioning the AI thing. I mean, I I tied myself up in knots uh, yesterday about this because. It was something I I hadn't thought about, and um, I kind of read a few things somewhere, um, you know, about sort of Nikki, whether Nikki's real or is 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 partly real and partly not real, or you know, what actually is she? Um, I mean, it is fairly obvious. I mean, I even I mean even uh, I think it's Bianca Oblivion even I mean, even says it. Um, basically, obviously, when uh, Nikki goes on Videodrome and she's on the telly. Basically, she's been used as like almost like a, I mean, she says they're using an image to seduce Max. So she, I mean, she's already dead, and obviously she's some kind of deep fake. They uh, they're using to kind of keep keep sending in videos. Um, so obviously she is real to a certain extent, and then obviously when she goes off to audition for Videodrome. That's when she obviously dies and becomes some kind of AI, I guess. Or they, or they turn her into an AI. Yeah, no, there's a lot of interpretation. Mm. There is an awful lot going on. Yeah, I think it's going to take a, a lot of minds, a lot of hours <laughs> trying to cope <laughs> with some sort. To be, to be honest, I, I think it is a bit of a cop out, but I. I truly don't believe that there is, uh, you know, a grand unified theory to this film. I, I think it's probably deliberately inconsistent, so that it does keep you on the hoof. I think it's there, there's, you know, these, these little you know plot holes and and things like that, which I'm I'm sure are deliberate. And I think it's it's designed to just be uncomfortable and and to not allow you to to get your foot in with it. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I mean, it's again, it's one of those films that has kept me interested for years, and I'm always finding things out about it. It's you know, I've got numerous films that I watch that are like that, um, and this is just another one of those. So yeah, I I, I totally agree with you there. Yeah, I could. I, I can't argue with anything you've said. Um, yeah, I, the only thing I, that I've got more to say about this was I wasn't quite sure how I felt about it until we've chatted about it. And now, you know, I've sort of, you know, realised that it's had an impact on me, and you know, I've enjoyed it. But I think it's definitely one of those films where you need. I think you need you need the sounding board afterwards because otherwise you just sit there going, what. 
really sure. And then, and then you sort of, you know, turn the TV off and go, what? <laughs> so yeah, you definitely need a sounding board, I think. Um, so yeah, um, I mean, there's loads and loads we can say about this. So I don't know if you've got anything specific you want to pick up about it or we'll just. I, I mean, there is something, I, I just find this kind of funny. And it and it, again, it kind of goes into the censorship thing that sort of Ma- uh, that Matthew was talking about. Um, but I mean, when I first saw this, I saw it on 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 a Betamax home video, um, and it it basically isn't the film that we've seen now. It it was cut to shreds uh, when it got released in the UK. It basically had any kind of uh, sex or violence like completely removed. So there was, uh, like you see Max do the uh, do the shooting, but there's no aftermath to any of that. There's none of the SM uh, uh, the S and M stuff. I mean, Nikki doesn't talk about being cut. There's none of the the, the non sexy sex. There's no cigarette burn. None of that. Um, and I found out at the weekend it's because there was an R rated cut in the in the states, and when it came over to the UK, uh, the the distributor cut it to stop it from being picked up as part of the video nasty thing that was going on. Right. So we basically, the first time I saw this, I just saw this very kind of sanitized movie. I still, I mean, I still enjoyed it, but it didn't have all the things in it. And I, I didn't see a, a full version to about 1990, but I just think it's quite funny that this film that's kind of about censorship um, got censored so heavily by someone over here. But uh, I mean, I guess that, that kind of is, it's because of the video nasty stuff that was happening at the time. Someone's obviously panicked somewhere and gone, oops, we better remove this stuff because we don't want to get, you know, prosecuted. I just thought that was an interesting little tidbit that I found out uh, this weekend. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, I can't imagine what the movie's like with all that cut out of it. <laughs> it's, it's just... I mean, it just, just a, doesn't look like the film that, that that we know. Just a prick of a bloke getting along with his life. Yeah, basically. Uh, yeah. Um, weird. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go then. So I think we'll um, we'll jump into the Facebook because um, I was so organised that I asked people what their opinions were at least two hours ago. Um. But luckily, we have we have some of the psychopaths. Are we, do we call them psychopaths? We, we can always rely on the listeners, can't we? Yeah. So let's see. Brian has said, a classic thought-provoking Cronenberg film, similar to an episode a couple of weeks back, Censor. Oh, that was us. As it explores a similar theme to do with the horrors we see in fiction, uh, changes for the worse. Is art imitating life or life imitating art? Lovely. And Vincent has said, an enthralling, unsettling... Presi- I can't read it. Prescient. Prescient, thank you. And seriously squishy satire of media effects and the merging of humanity and technology. Well, as usual, the listeners have managed to say in a few sentences what's taken us a long time to <laughs> say. And we're not even sure we said it as well as that. Um, <laughs> one of them used a word I couldn't even read. 
They're a um, smart bunch, aren't they? They are a smart bunch, smarter than me. Um, I don't like to claim that you're an idiot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, you can if you want. Yeah, you can claim it for yourself. I don't care. Um, right, so uh, it just comes down to us to review it then. Um, so for those of you out there, we've got a three-tier system. Um, we have shit for shit. Um, we said we we're going to change it, but I don't, I can't, it, it's not happening, is it? Um, we've got an, ooh, it's spooky for middle of the way. And of course, creative psychopath for as good as a movie can be. Um, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to go ahead and drop a creative psychopath on this one. I think, um, as I say, had I not unpacked it with you guys, it probably would have been a new, it's spooky, but you know, the fact of the matter is it, I can I can see I can see now that it's um it's a movie that's you know what's what forty year old movie now so oh, yeah it yeah, is it's actually know, 40, that's his fortieth year 40, isn't it, this 40, year forty this year so um, yeah yeah it's as probably as good now as it was then so yeah yeah uh, and one of you two next. I'll keep it short and sweet. It's just creative psychopath. Reasons we've discussed. Yeah, I mean, it's the same for me. I know it's probably a bit of a cop out, but I mean, it is a it is a top five film for me anyway. Um, That's okay. I think, yeah. I think it is pretty pretty bloody brilliant, to be honest. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's always guess... a five star for me. <laughs> Guests rarely bring bring along movies they don't like, so. Yeah, right. <laughs> we usually we usually expect that they're going to choose a creative psychopath. So, um, it has been done though um, a long time ago. Jade brought rings, and she hated, and I hated. <laughs> um, well, that was fun. Um, so, before we get into the last slice of bread, um, the t-shirts available. If you want one. Links are available, or you can ask me, or whatever. And there is a Patreon out there somewhere in the in the ether, which um, is good. I don't know. Um, right, so let's get in. Sorry, guys, I'm losing my voice a bit. Mm. Let's get into these last few questions. So, if that was one of your favourite movies, um. What is the worst horror movie you've seen? Oh, um, I mean, it, it, it took me a while and then it, it just sort of came to me like a just a, a wonderful thing. But I can, I can hand on heart the worst two horror films I've ever seen um, by the same filmmaker are The Lair and The Reckoning by Neil Marshall. To go from Dog Soldiers and the Descent to that in like what fifteen twenty years, it it, it just baffles me. Um, they are atrocious movies for yeah. many many reasons. I mean, I mean, I could go into a massive list of ways. It's like he can't remember how to make movies. 
I'm assuming you've seen them, right? I haven't seen either of those two. Oh, uh, I've no, seen no, dogs, neither have I. I've seen Dog wow. Soldiers and I've seen The Descent. The Descent. Um, well, because The Descent's amazing, isn't it? Um, yeah. But no, I've never, I've, I've never come across them. I was just looking at looking at them now, very poorly. So they're, yeah, they're his last. They're his last two. So the reckoning is his second to last. Um, which had like good a good kind of premise. It's like a, a like a witch being interrogated and the kind of going through like a witch trial, but it just goes completely ludicrous directions that don't make don't make any sense at all. Right. Um, and it's just like what you know you've completely ruined this movie. But the lair, it's it's like he's tried to remake Dog Soldiers and forgotten how he did it. So. So the Lair is another film about a bunch of bickering squaddies or mercenaries or soldiers or whatever they are um, fighting a load of monsters. So I've been on the sort of, you know, off the cuff, it sounds like quite a good, oh, I'll enjoy that. But it, it's so poor, the acting and the dialogue, it, it's like he's forgotten how to like make films. Oh, um, it's atrocious, like truly atrocious. Um I, I couldn't believe it was as as bad as people said it was. It was shown at Fright Fest a couple of years ago. I didn't see it, but a lot of people did, and they were all like quite freaked out by how bad it was. And um, I saw it earlier this year, and it's just like wow. So yeah, they they've come right to the top of the list. Yeah, there's, Sorry, something, Neil. there's something about people telling you how bad movies are that makes you want to watch them. Um... <laughs> you definitely have to watch the lair, Mark. Definitely. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think I, I think I will. I think I will. Mind you, I've seen some really terrible movies, um, so that's fine. Um, so, well, I, I, I was sure you were going to say the new Exorcist film. To be fair, but um... well, I can't keep saying that. <laughs> it's pretty bad. You're welcome to trash it as often as you want on here. Um, well, let's clean. Your it just palette. makes me angry, Mark. I can't. I mean, I can't keep getting to that level of anger about it it took me about three days to calm down yeah i think it's one of the few films that made me angry like um you know which i suppose is something you know because the the worst the worst thing you'd rather you don't want to be bored at least angry is better than bored um both so yeah yeah uh you've got an emotional response at least so let's clean your palette then with uh, what is your favourite horror movie? Uh, I did mention it, but like, yeah, American Wealth in London is like easily 100% like my all-time favourite. It's not only my all-time favourite horror film, it's my all-time favourite film. Oh, excellent. Um, I have seen it more than any other film ever. I could pretty much recite it. Um seen it numerous times at the cinema managed to see it with john landis there and stuff oh um, wow yeah just absolutely love it i must admit i've never seen it at the cinema i would love to though um yeah i've seen it i've seen it a few times at the cinema now luckily um and it's always always an absolute joy but yeah well it's good to see your favorite film on the cinema Defo. Uh, that's for sure. Well, that's a good film. We can't, we can't, we can't argue with that. That's an amazing movie. Um, yeah. So, I suppose Matthew's not going to disagree with that. 
No, all I'm doing now is thinking that uh, I'm actually going to see The Shining in the cinema tomorrow. So I'm nice. You just got me all got me all giddy. Yeah, The Shining's on near me as well. I was thinking about mm. going. Uh, yeah, good movie as well. Anyway, um, right. So let's do the last two questions. So. Um, What's a scary moment for a non-horror movie that you remember? Oh, I've, re- I've read this wrong. Um, right. What so I was you... going to say, I, 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 I was like, what's a scary non-horror? That's <laughs> how I've written it down. Well, so, say that. So uh, I was going to say Requiem for a Dream, I would say, is one of those films that is, is a r- pretty like unpleasant watch for a film that's not really meant to be a horror film Absolutely. but um but if you're gonna say a scary moment in a non-horror it, it has to be the end of raiders of the lost ark i'm afraid <laughs> where everyone's yeah. faces melt and i mean i obviously saw that when i was probably i don't know i was probably about 10 when i saw that 10 11 and yeah it's just you're just like yeah more horror you know oh someone's face has melted so that I mean that always stands out for me as as probably a uh, quite a scary moment in a non horror film I would say. Yeah, that's not the first time we've had that one. No, I, I didn't think it would be. <laughs> I think I think that's fast becoming the correct answer. That and Willy Wonka. Um, yeah. Um, mind you, Requiem for a Dream's got so many. That's got a lot of horror moments in it, though, hasn't it? Really? It, I think. Um, see, it, it's really hard with Aronofsky. Is is like to whether his films are horrors or not. I mean, I'd say that like that one's not ones a horror. horror. Oh yeah, but I sure. wouldn't say Requiem for a Dream's a horror. And I, I'm going to watch that as part of Hooptober this year. All right. Um, and it's it's not a horror, but it it certainly is horrific. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's uncomfortable to watch. Mm. Um, so let's do the last one. If you could yep. make any non-horror movie a horror movie, what would you choose? Uh, right. So I I thought quite hard about this, and I <laughs> yeah. thought I'd found one that that worked. And it turns out someone's already made uh, done a trailer, um, probably about ten years ago on YouTube. But it again, it's in my top ten of of films. So I thought you could remake Forgetting Sarah Marshall as some kind of weirdo stalker slasher film, um, but with this kind of Infinity Pool vibe. So it's this sort of rich assholes abroad, like behaving really badly, like they do in Infinity Pool, basically, but with this kind of, you know, weirdo stalker slasher thing going on. So you've got... uh, Oh, I can't remember who the main guy is. Jason Seagal, isn't it? Jason mm-hmm. Seagal. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he's. I mean, no one comes a, like comes off well in that movie anyway, even even in the general, in in, in the normal version. So, um, I thought that that would have been quite a good one. And then yeah, I found a trailer on YouTube where someone's cut it as a horror movie, and I'd I'd watch that film. Yeah, I'd watch that film. I think I'd, I'd watch that film. I think I quite liked um, Forgetting Sarah. Myself. It's the one that's got Dracula the musical in it with puppets. Yeah, that's the one. With puppets, yeah. yeah. 
with puppets. <laughs> Amazing. Um, that's what I want to see. I want to see Dracula the Musical with puppets. Um, give me that film. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you that any day. Uh, yeah, no, that sounds that, that sounds really great. Um, we always want to see those. Wherever everyone comes up with, we always want to see those. I, st- I still don't think anyone's beaten Spice World yet, but we'll get there. Um, <laughs> Did someone say Spice World? Yeah. 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 What ads? Like, what What kind of horror? Just kill everyone in it. Spice Girls getting oh, murdered, really, yeah. wouldn't it? <laughs> Spice Girls getting murdered. Everyone getting murdered, really. It was It was good stuff. It was, I mean, it was probably a, it was a slasher, I think. But yeah, no, that was... Right, uh, okay. Yeah. No, um, I think we just were all happy to see Spice World turned into that. Um, right, well, there you go, then. We've done it. We've made a lovely... A lovely sandwich there. Um, do you have anything that you'd like to plug, Tony? Yeah, I've got a couple of things. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm on Instagram. Um, my Instagram is scared of horror. Um, I just literally, like, share what we're currently watching. It's all horror stuff. Chat mm-hmm. about it. Just join in, comment. You know, I've met a lot of people through it, uh, which has been really good. That's kind of what it's all about. It's not anything big or clever. It's just talking about horror films, really. Um, But I wouldn't know, like, quite a lot of the people who you've sort of spoken to recently. Um, So Vanessa, for example, like, I met a lot of people like uh, like her and that and the Evolution of Horror crowd through through that. And obviously, that's how I've got to get to chat to you guys. So, you know, it's, uh, it's a good fun thing to do. Um, the other thing, I do have a band camp. Uh, so my band camp is, uh, is, uh, uh, I mean, it's Tony Ware at bandcamp.com. Um, basically I used to play in bands for years and, and did all the touring and the recording and the album releasing and all that. I now just record my own kind of music. Um, I've done some music for podcasts and stuff and looking to do some other projects. So, um. Oh wow! Yeah, so there's there's stuff out there, not a lot. I've just started doing it. I, I stopped playing in bands sort of about a year ago, <clears throat> so it's like a new. It's all sort of like a like the next thing I'm doing. But um, yeah, yeah. We'll get stuff. those links in the show notes. Yes, if you send me those links, I'll sort that out. Yeah, I can sort that out for you. Yeah, <clears throat> we're coughing all over the place here. Yeah, I know. COVID, uh, online COVID, we've got now. Um, well, there you go then. So, um, well, thanks for joining us. Um, yeah, thanks guys. Thanks for having me. It's 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 really good chatting about, uh, about this. I know, uh, um, it's not an easy film to discuss. I, perhaps I should have picked something that was a little bit more, uh, straightforward, but, uh, it's it's been a pleasure. It's, uh, it's good to, it's good to chat about Videodrome and and the more people that do the better, I think, because it's great. Probably should have talked more about that that television that was throbbing, but apart from that, I think we had a good we had a good chat. Um, so yeah, well there you go, everybody. Uh, that's your sandwich made with uh, we've we've wrapped it up, popped it in a bag, so now you can piss off home and eat it. We ain't got tables for you here, right? Bye, bye, bye. Cheers. <laughs>